So today's episode is with Dr. Demetra Henderson. Now, Dr. D and I have known each other for a few years, and she is the CEO and founder of DFH Coaching and Consulting. And prior to launching her coaching and consulting business, Dr. D spent over 15 years in the corporate world before going back to school to get her PhD in business management. Now, Dr. D is a specialist in organizational behavior and working and focusing on groups in the workplace, which is important to all of us. And one of the things that she does is she works with, as a career coach, she works with the marginalized population, as she describes it. So today's episode is packed with some really valuable information about Dr. D's journey, what she's currently doing now, and the things that you can do to help yourself to believe in yourself and to continue to move your life forward. I hope that you enjoy today's episode. I'm Sid Meadows, and I'm a certified professional coach, and my focus is on high performance and growth and helping my clients move into action. I'm a personal and professional development junkie, an avid podcast listener and reader, and my passion is all things contract interiors. In this podcast, I'm going to provide you with information, education, ideas, and tools to help you in your personal life, your business, and our industry. So let's have some fun and welcome to the Trend Report Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's version of the Trend Report podcast. I'm really glad you're here today for this week's conversation, and it's going to be a really good one. I'm really happy to introduce to you um, my friend and fellow coach and colleague, Dr. Demetria Henderson. Hey, Dee, how are you? Finding yourself. Happy to be I'm, here. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. So, guys, I've known Dr. D for quite some time, and it should be noted that I call her Dr. D. Um, I think I kind of started that trend amongst our group of friends and um, fellow coaches. But so, D, before we kind of jump into our conversation today, tell our community who you are and what you do and the community that you serve. Okay, so I will start with who I am looking at it from the coaching perspective. Excellent. Uh, so in terms of co coach, I guess I would say that I call myself a career coach, for lack of a better term. Uh, but for me, what I am truly interested in is helping those individuals that find themselves in those marginalized populations, uh, those mid-career professionals that find themselves at that place, at that point in their careers where they feel as though, like, you know what? I, I'm just stuck. I don't know where else to go. I don't know where to go from here. And so I really partner with them and help them to better understand what it is that they really want. Uh, if they want to stay in corporate America, then it's helping them to maybe grab a seat at the table. Because at the end of the day, when you think about what people want, right, everybody just wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard. And so for me, in terms of my coaching, it's really helping those populations to gain that visibility, to gain their voice so that they feel that sense of empowerment, so that okay. they feel that sense of respect in the workplace to get to where they want to be. So to recap that, it's people that are mid-career that mm -hmm. feel like they're stuck. <clears throat> and one of the words that you used was marginalized population. Mm -hmm. Could you explain that just a little bit? So these are basically your underrepresented populations. So mm -hmm. marginalized could be women. It could be African-Americans. It could be Asians. And so basically it's your non-majority groups for the most part. Okay. You know, yeah. All right. That's excellent. And so you serve them through coaching and helping mm -hmm. them go from stuck to soaring. Yes. 
That's right. We're yeah. going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Yeah. But Dr. D, you are also a professor. And in yes, fact, I you am. are the a visiting assistant professor at James Madison University. Mm -hmm. And your specialty and what you do research in on is organizational behavior with a focus on groups in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'm one of those individuals where I went back to school later in life to get my PhD after spending over 14 years in corporate America. Uh, and a lot of the reasoning behind that was in working in, in the corporate workspace, you start to see all these inequities, you start to see all these things that are kind of like, you know, going on in the workplace and you start figuring there has to be a better way. And so it was always on my heart to go back to school to get my PhD so that maybe I would be the person that would be researching and helping to, you know, find some of the solutions in terms of you know, bringing about that, that equity and whatnot. And so, so I landed in College of Business, which is where organizational behavior uh, is. And organizational behavior is simplest definition. It is the study of individuals and groups within organizations. And so with that being said, we look at it from, you can look at it from very different per perspectives in terms of the types of topics that we discuss, but it could be as simple as looking at individual differences, looking at emotions, looking at attitudes. Uh, we talk about motivation, that, that is a large part of it. Leadership, uh, conflict management, all of those types of things all encompass what we call organizational behavior. Because when you think about it, all of those things play a role in terms of how people are gonna relate and engage with one another in the workplace. Sure, they do, absolutely. I mean, there's so many variables that go on mm -hmm. in the workplace and understanding that I can certainly see would be really important. So Dee, how did you get interested in organizational behavior? I mean, what drew you there? So again, like I said, for me, it, it was really looking at, at things, being a, an African-American woman, black woman, you know, being in the workplace and seeing like, you know, and experiencing what I experienced, seeing certain things go on in the workplace. Uh, for me, again, it was really all about trying to figure out how do we make things better? How do we make things mm -hmm. better? for people that are not necessarily in those majority roles. So that like, you know, they really truly have a fair shake at things. Mm -hmm. And so that is the thing that drove me to organizational behavior. Uh, understanding that there was like, you know, a place where people were like, you know, starting to do that research. And so diversity, a lot of diversity research stems in, in that area as well, organizational behavior, especially when we're talking about, again, the workplace. Um, and so that is what really brought me to going back to school to getting my PhD. And so my, my research really, for the most part, looks at diversity, but I was one of those individuals where I, look at, I looked at diversity more so from the standpoint of, I don't need to be more concerned about trying to prove that discrimination happens because we already know that. So for sure. me, I always approached it at looking at uh, discrimination or diversity more so from the standpoint of let's look at those individuals who were able to overcome their obstacles. What is it that really truly allowed these individuals to succeed and be whatever it is that they want to be in the workplace, regardless of whatever was put in front of them? And so, and so for me, I, I, I'm really interested in what we call positive organizational behavior. So looking at things such as resilience, looking at things such as self-efficacy, which is really just another term for self-confidence. Um, hope, optimism, and looking at those constructs and trying to understand how they play a role in terms mm -hmm. of people getting to where they want to be in the workplace. Okay, so what I really, really like about what you just said were a couple of things. Acknowledgement from a minority yourself saying, we know that there are issues in the workplace and there is 
racism for a better word in the workplace, discrimination mm -hmm. in the workplace, that it happens, mm -hmm. it's factual, but I don't want to look at that. I want to look at what has made those people that were in the minority successful? What set them apart that really allowed them to break through the barrier, if you will, and to find the level of success that all human beings, for the most part, regardless of their race, religion, or anything else, they found the success that they wanted, right? Yeah. yeah. And so if you think about that, focus on that, and I love that we're focusing or you're focusing on the positive. Like, mm -hmm. let's take what they did, let's learn from them, and let's see how we can teach that to other people and use yeah. those people as examples to help other people, especially those that are in the minority, rise up, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. when you think about that for a second, what were, what were your biggest, like, two to three takeaways, if you will, from your research um, that you learned that people could do or should be doing to rise up? Mm, I can't really necessarily answer that in terms of saying that there's like one or two things that people should be doing. A again, for me, and, and when I talked about this whole idea of resilience, of efficacy, hope and optimism, that all stems from, from a branch of positive psychology, this thing called um, uh, uh, psychological capital. And so that is a larger construct that actually encompasses those four things. And so that for me was a huge finding and understanding that whole idea of psychological capital, because for me, that speaks to um, what I've always thought was like that moderating factor, that, that, mm -hmm. that extra thing that helped people to get to where it is that they want it to, to be. So when you think about that, right, that idea of resilience, right, that, mm -hmm. that, that idea of being able to, regardless of whatever, like, you know, obstacles, adversity, whatever it is that you may have experienced, right, you're able to rise above it. Mm -hmm. Or the idea of self-confidence, right, having that belief in self to know that, like, you know, you can actually do whatever that thing is. Uh, and again, that hope, that optimism, right, that, real, that idea of knowing that, like, yes, I can do this. Yes, it can be done. And so for me, a lot of my, my research centered around trying to focus on and trying to get a better understanding of how psychological capital, those four constructs, fall into the realm of maybe that being the thing that can help those marginalized individuals that are those people that feel as though they're being marginalized within the workplace. Okay, so that's really great. And my biggest takeaway from what you just said was believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. There is such power in really believing that it's possible and believing that you, regardless of who you are, even in the category of being marginalized population, that if you believe in yourself, anything is possible. And yeah. what a, what a beautiful message, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's something that I feel I bring into to my coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you think about coaching, you yourself, you're a coach. And so, so it's really like, you know, about helping people to understand, like, you know, what are the stories that we're telling ourselves mm -hmm. and helping them to rewrite those yep. stories. And mm -hmm. that's what, what's all underneath that. So what's interesting about that, and we won't dive too far into this, but all of us, including me and you, um, every one of us tell ourselves stories and we make ourselves believe things that just aren't true. And we create our own limiting beliefs by telling ourselves stories. 
and we won't dive into that whole thing because I think we could probably spend the whole session yeah. <laughs> on that. It should be noted, guys, that Dr. D and I have been um, part of a mastermind group together for, what, two years or three years, D? Two? I don't think it's been three, has it? Been? It's been a while. So uh, I met Dr. D actually at an event. We met out in, uh, I believe it's California or no, California, Arizona. Could have been Arizona. I Maybe it was remember. Arizona. We Arizona. met at a High Performance Academy, which is an event hosted by Brendan Broussard and his crew about focusing on high performance and leveraging high performance in your in your life and your career. And uh, we hung out together. We had a mutual friend that introduced us. And um, from that, Dee and two fellow coaches, <clears throat> all of us actually created a little mastermind together. And we've been going strong for a couple of years. So um, I have the privilege to know Dr. D in a way that I wish all of the, all of you could know her because she's a pretty awesome lady. Yeah, so that means, you know, all my struggles and pains as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be clear, D, you know, all of mine too. So that is true. <laughs> that's another podcast all by itself. Okay. So D, you know, the people that listen to uh, my podcast, 90% of them are students of the workplace. Mm -hmm. They are people that are involved in furnishing for the most part, work environments for employees. And, you know, I like to really talk about what we do as an industry is we provide unique products and services that enable and increase employee engagement that lead to enhanced and better profitability for organizations by cultivating dynamic workspaces um, for your organization. I mean, in a nutshell, that's really what we do. And I know that sounded really good um, because that is what we do, but most people like to dumb it down and say, oh, we sell office furniture. But the people listening, we're students of the workspace. Uh -huh. And part of what you do is study people in the workspace. Mm -hmm. So why is studying people in the, work, in the workplace important? So first off, before I answer that, I want to say that what you guys do very much coincides with organizational behavior because okay. there is a part of organizational behavior that looks at the workspace, right? Yeah. There, there is a lot of science behind yeah. how based, like, you know, the, the, the height of a desk, right? Yeah. Looking at basically, you know, how people are seated and situated and all that other fun stuff. So people pay attention to that and study that. And we know that that has an impact on, on people's uh, performance. Mm -hmm. So what you guys are doing is very important and people are actually studying that stuff. So, so thank you for the work that you guys are doing. Uh, awesome. So now with that being said, what was the question again? <laughs> I thought, of course, leave it to Dr. D to forget the question. So the question is, um, you know, the importance of studying people in the workplace and what mm -hmm. does that really do for the individual, but also for the business? It does everything to me because for me, I believe that your most important asset in an organization is the people. Okay. Without the people, you have no organization. Without the people, you, you have no money coming in. Mm -hmm. And so organizational behavior to me is so important because it is all about the idea of taking care of your employees, taking care of the individuals within the workplace. Mm -hmm. So that, yes, we meet the needs and the goals of the organization. But if you're not taking care of those people, you're not going to get the best out of them. 
you're not going to meet the performance levels that you want. You're not going to have that level of satisfaction. So therefore, you're not going to meet your numbers. And so it, it is all linked together. And so, you know, research tells us like, you know, the more that like, you know, you have these people that are performing at these higher levels, the more that people are engaged in their work, the more that people are satisfied and happy with their place of employment. We see, but we see better numbers, and so mm -hmm. that's how it all works, and, and works hand in hand and feeds one another. Okay, so, and we talk about that a lot about increased employee engagement, mm -hmm. and what is that? What does that mean to a company? So I'm going to ask you, what is it? What is increased employee engagement? What does it really mean to a company? So the way in which I, I like to think about engagement is just an easy way to think about it is that, think, well, because again, thinking about the constructs and right now, I don't, can't think of all of them at the top of my head, but people study engagement itself mm -hmm. and they have looked at it several different ways and there are several different constructs that fall underneath that. But think about it as, as your level of absorption, right? Mm -hmm. How absorbed are you in terms of being with this company, in terms of the work that you do? And so when we talk about this idea of engagement, this is somebody that really, truly, they like what they're doing, but it's more than like, right? So it's this idea of them being able to really like, like, like just be kind of like, you know, almost, I don't want to say it's tunnel vision focused, but having that level of focus and joy in terms of what it is that they're doing. And that brings about a certain level of fulfillment. Right. And so that's what we're talking about in terms of this idea of work engagement. So when you think about if you can get to that place where you have those employees that actually want to be there, mm -hmm. they enjoy being there yeah. and they actually also see the benefit of what it is that they are doing. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that really, truly are going to help propel that organization when you have employees like that. This is why it's so important to me. So we've all seen the quote cards and we've all read the, you know, the articles published by multiple magazines. And I've even used the words quite a bit that, you know, your people are your greatest asset mm -hmm. and any company's greatest asset are your people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think we really glaze over that and it becomes very much a cliche because we've yeah. used that term so much, but you just eloquently described why you start with the people, why people are really your most valuable asset, because if they do discover the joy in their role, the impact that they're making in alignment with the vision of the organization, they're going to be amazing producers that are going to help the organization soar to great heights. Yep. That's yep. awesome. That's yep. awesome. So Dr. D, how did you get into, how did you go from being a professor, teaching on organizational behavior, you know, well, you went from the corporate world, then to your MBA, or to, excuse me, to your PhD, and then mm -hmm. to, um, you know, organizational behavior, being a professor, how'd you get into coaching? So I was introduced to coaching when I was working on a master's in organizational development. Okay. So first, let, let me preface by saying I got this master's for the sole purpose of getting into a PhD program. So, okay. Okay. so I was working full time at, at the time. And so I, I, I got involved in this two year program, working on the master's in uh, organizational de development. And the reason, again, why I did that was because I, I had been out of school for so long. And I knew that, you know, for a PhD program, it was very important for you to have letters of recommendation from faculty who could speak to your, uh, to your level of research. 
And mm -hmm. so I specifically went back to school to get this degree so that I could actually have recommendations from faculty and also engage in some level of research. Okay. Uh, and so with that particular program that, that I was in, it was Queens University of Charlotte, they actually required us to take uh, coaching classes. And so oh. that's how I was introduced to coaching. Okay. And so, yeah. And so that was pretty cool. And so it was one of those things where, again, my intent, my focus was on getting that PhD. So again, it was full steam ahead with that. Like, you know, after I got like, you know, that master's and got into a PhD program. And so for me in the back of my mind, coaching was always going to be like my side hustle. Okay. And so it, it so I actually started at James Madison fall 2016, but I didn't defend my dissertation until August 22nd, 2017. Yes, I do remember the date. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's and great. so it was one of those situations where it's like, okay, that's done. Now what? And yeah. so that fall, I found myself in a conference room in a hotel, starting mm -hmm. to work on my coaching certification. Okay. So there are a lot of really good things that you just said. And the first thing that I want to point out is I hope that you guys listening pick this up is the intentionality in which Dr. D developed her career or as many of you've heard me say over and over again she crafted her own journey she fell in love with something around organizational behavior and organizational development she knew the path she wanted to take and so intentionally she went and got a master's degree and intentionally so that she could do research and learn about research and get faculty recommendations. And then she enrolled in a PhD program and got her PhD. And one day she'll have to explain to me what defending the PhD means. But anyways, she got her PhD through that process. She fell in love with the concept of coaching, which then is the second thing I wanted to point out. And Dr. E, I'll congratulate you and challenge everybody that's listening to this podcast. I'm congratulating you for continuing to invest in yourself and to grow as a person in order to continue to step into the person that you were meant to be, but also to learn and to grow and to be the best version of you and everybody listening to this podcast, you need to be doing something. My challenge to you is do something today to learn and to grow and to become a better person a better human and to really step into that person so d congratulations on all that you probably didn't realize that's what you said but you just outlined it perfectly about how you really did craft your journey and then fell in love yet with something else that led you to where you are where you are today and i think that's awesome thank you i appreciate that so it should also be noted that dr d and i went through the same coaching certification program though we did not go through it together we did go through the same coaching certification program which is from a company called ipec which stands for the institute for professional excellence in coaching and um it was a really it was a year-long journey with that was it not dr d yes oh yeah <laughs> it's a, a tremendous amount of self-discovery and learning and oh, yeah. foundations being laid for what coaching is really all about mm -hmm. so yeah. as you went through ipec uh, because guys, IPEC is a lot of work and it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's literally a year long process. And when I signed up for it, I don't think I realized exactly how much work it was, but I was really glad at the end of it that I did the work to get to where I am today with those two certifications from IPEC. So Dr. D, when you went through the program, I mean, what was it like, the experience of becoming a certified professional coach and an energy leadership coach? What was that experience like for you? 
it's interesting you asked that question because you also mentioned this whole idea of self-awareness and self-development, right? That's what that, it's like, yes, we're going there to learn how to be better coaches, but in that process, oh gosh, you learn so much more about yourself. And there's so much growth and development that happens as you go through that program. It's like, you know, you really start, it's like, you know, we talk about this idea, like, you know, the limiting beliefs, the assumptions, the stories that we tell ourselves. And so it's like, you know, if you're coaching somebody on that thing, right? What starts to happen is you start to reflect and think about yourself. It's like, okay, what is the crap that I made up about myself? And mm-hmm. I'm still today. It's, it's like, I mean, it, it, and people have to understand it does not stop, right? right? I mean, cause there are 50 million stories that we have been living for years. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, you know, you're going to snap your fingers and all of a sudden, yes, I have a new belief. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be one of those things that as you go through life, you start realizing like, Oh, this is one of those things that's kind of blocking me. This is a story that I've been telling myself. And so then it's like, so you work through that one, right? So you continue going on through life and, you know, then maybe you might encounter another block. And so for me, going through that training program was very good because, again, it just allowed me to, to kind of really think about these things and how I myself have had an impact in the things that have happened in terms of my career, maybe why certain things stalled and all that other fun stuff. And so, so for me, it, it was more so, I think I, I look at it as though, yeah, I got the certification, but I also got a lot more self-awareness and, and sure. understanding who I am. Yeah. And I would absolutely totally agree with you with that. I mean, when I went into the program, I didn't know what to expect. Um, what I knew was that I was coaching people and it wasn't working or my, my thought process behind coaching and what I was doing, I didn't feel like anybody was getting any forward movement or making any progress. And I felt like I just didn't, I felt like I was managing people. Right. Mm. And so I I said to myself, you know what, I've got to take a step back and I got to really go learn. If I'm going to do this, I have to really go learn how to be a coach and what a coach means. What I did not anticipate was how, life transforming a coaching certification program like IPAC actually really is. And that journey to the self discovery doesn't have a destination. You just keep discovering and you keep moving through the blocks that you talked about. You keep realizing the nonsense that we tell ourselves <clears throat> and that, that prevent us from, from, from having the success that we want are being the person that we want to be. So it was a very enlightening process. And I often think about, I want to go through it again because I want to do that another time. <laughs> I don't want to do all the work that goes along with it, but I want to go through, the, through it again. But it's, yeah. a, it's a year long process. If you're interested in learning about coaching certification at IPEC, you know, shoot me a message. You guys know how to get in touch with me. Just shoot me a message. I'll be happy to have a sidebar conversation with you about it. But so, D, once you came, became a certified professional coach and an energy leadership coach, how did you zone in on your specialty, your niche, if you will? How'd you get there? In all honesty, I will tell you that it took me a while, mm-hmm. you know, because, it, you know, typically, and, and people will say this, like, you know, any good coach will have a coach. And I, I didn't do it necessarily to say, oh, I'm getting a, a coach because I want people to know that I have a coach, right? I got it because I was trying to actually start my own business. And so mm-hmm. I hired a business coach. And so... One of the things that, that like, and, and you will have two different camps. Some people will tell you, it's like, oh, you don't need a niche, right? Or other folks will say, it's like, well, like, you, know, you really can't be a good coach until you specialize, until you find that niche. And so for me, I struggled with that for a very long time. 
in terms yeah. of, of like who exactly is my niche, who is my avatar. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just knew that I really wanted to help people of diverse populations, mm -hmm. but in how, in what way, that was one of those things that I think it started to work itself out. Mm -hmm. And I think also with that, with saying that, because again, I am on this journey of continual growth. Right. And so as I continue to grow, right, that's when now like, you know, more clarity starts to come to me and I become clearer and more clear in terms of like, what's my purpose in life? Mm -hmm. What exactly is the legacy that I want to leave? And so when I started to ask myself those questions, that's when it became even clearer in terms of who are the individuals that I want to coach. Mm -hmm. And so that is kind of like, you know, the process and the path that 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 happened for me. So how did you land on career? Coming from this idea of, again, me going back to getting, to getting that PhD was all about business. So for me, it's all about people in the workplace. Okay. And so, it, it, so for me, the career was a natural fit. Right. And when I think about what my purpose is and my why is in terms of why I coach and what it is that I want to do, the legacy that I want to leave, leave, it's all about making sure that like, you know, little girls that look like me, that they don't have to experience the things that I experienced when I went into the workplace mm -hmm. or that they really truly are going to be left with a, with a better place. And so that is how the whole career thing kind of like, you know, falls in, in falls in line, I guess, with everything, because really it's about looking at people from that organizational career aspect. And so that's where I feel as though, you know, I, I'm better able to, to help individuals, I think in that area. So, um, you know, the, one of the things that just stands out to me right there is the story that you just told and the passion around which you told it, mm -hmm. um, drawing back to your experiences in school and what your education was in business. And you knew that you wanted to focus on that. But then the thing that you said was helping little girls that look like me. Mm -hmm. Right. And helping them and people that are in a marginalized population really rise up. And it was so powerful. It was so true to you because I know you and I hope all of you listening heard that from Dr. D, the true meaning of that, that her passion is helping those individuals really rise up and really break through that glass ceiling, if you will, to mm -hmm. have their best career, live their best life regardless of how the world might see them. Exactly. Right. Yes. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, Dee's never heard me say this, but I'm going to just say this right now to my friend, Dr. D. I don't see you in color. I just see you. I see an amazing friend, a really, really smart lady, somebody that I enjoy being around. And that's what I see. I don't see the color of your skin um, or anything like that. I just see you. And I love that our relationship has developed to that because you're a pretty amazing lady. And I love the intentionality and the purpose of which you're helping this community because now more than ever, it's so very important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. And, and I will say to anybody, I'm okay if you see my color. Mm -hmm. Be, and, and I say that because you know, when you look at what makes up an individual, we have various different yeah. things that make up our identity. So, yeah. you know, my, my ethnicity, my race, that is part of my identity. 
Mm-hmm. I don't try to run from that. I'm okay sure. with it. So I'm okay if you see me as a black woman. Mm-hmm. I identify as a black woman. Mm-hmm. And and so 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 again, I, I just want, want people to realize and understand that you don't necessarily have to run away from that as well. You mm-hmm. know, but but it's again like you know, because like you you see me the individual, right? It, mm-hmm. it is basically what what I heard from you, mm-hmm. and and I appreciate that and I love that. And again, but it's understanding that within that individual, we have multiple identities sure. that all make us who we are. So yeah, absolutely. Well. Um, I'll lighten this conversation just for a minute and say that one of Dr. D's identities is she is from Louisiana and she's like Cajun through and through. So um, now, Dr. D, Mm -hmm. just you're please tell me that you're not an LSU fan. You know that that is my alma mater. I, I forgot. Yes. Oh my gosh. We yes. should end this podcast now for those of you I, I know, you know, I, I try to forget that I see that Crimson Tide stuff on you every now and again. You know, I just <laughs> ignore it every time I see it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So sorry, LSU fans, if I offended you. No, no, no offense intended there, but I have a little fun with my friend, Dr. D. So, all right. So D, career coaching, focusing on marginalized population led you to creating a program that you call Stuck to Soaring. So tell us Mm -hmm. about that. So in terms of um, really trying to understand who I was trying to serve uh, and finding, trying to find a way in which I can actually speak to them. So being a professor, being a teacher, one of the things that you understand is that like, you know, when you're learning all these theories and all that other fun stuff, there are frameworks behind that. And so it makes it so much easier for you to communicate with individuals because then you have sort of like, you know, that common language. And so for me, coming up with a framework, I thought would be a useful way for me to basically make sure that I would be able to have that common language with Mm. my clients. Okay. And part of it is also a way to start that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so again, remember for me, I'm looking for those mid-career professionals that are finding themselves stuck in their career. Mm-hmm. And so in starting to think about this and starting to sort of like, you know, come up with like, you know, what exactly does this look like? Why are people stuck? And, and it's like, again, like, you know, we can go deeper and talk about all these limiting beliefs and all that other fun stuff, right? All that stuff is there. But thinking at it at that higher level, I came up with this framework that really says like, you know, really it hinges on two factors, visibility in terms of their level of clarity, as well as mobility. How much action are they taking? And so within that, basically, I came up with four quadrants that really, truly speaks to where certain people may find themselves uh, in their career. Uh, so, for example, my, my bystander, right? So that is somebody that has very little clarity. Uh, they're mm-hmm. not taking any action. This is that person that is kind of like, you know, they're, they're just in their career and just stuff is just happening to them. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no engagement. They're just kind of going through the motions. And there, again, might be very different reasons behind that. But like some of it is because some, sometimes people feel so overwhelmed. There's so much on their plate. Everything is a burden. Everything is happening to them. And so, again, because of that, <clears throat> that causes people to just kind of like, you know, just, just be <laughs> and sure. not do and not even allow themselves to think. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I have like the paralyzed voyager. So this is that individual that knows what they want, but they're not taking any action to go after it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and I myself, and the thing is when, let me say preface this, when I created this framework, it's not that anybody's going to stay in any one particular quadrant. When you think about your careers, our careers are not static. They're very much dynamic. And so you will find that basically, like say, if you were to see this framework, that you could see different parts and times in your lives where you've probably been in each one of these quadrants. Sure. 
Yeah. So the framework is built around understanding visibility and action, or as you called mobility, mm-hmm. and based on criteria of this framework, it puts you in one of four quadrants Correct. that kind of identifies where you are in your career. And mm-hmm. now, Dee, you took this framework and you put it in a format of a quiz, right? Yes, I did. Yes. So tell us yes. about that. What, what is that? Tell, tell us about the quiz and what it's like. So the quiz is very short. It's just eight questions. And basically all it is is based is looking at the characteristics of what I outlined in terms mm-hmm. of my quadrant, where either you're a bystander, paralyzed voyager, wanderer, pioneer, whatever. Uh, basically, it's going to ask you these eight questions. Based off these eight questions, it's going to spit out results to tell you, you know, based off the way in which you're answering this question today, this is where you are in your career. And 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 it is as simple as that. And, and again, the way for me uh, to look at this is it's a conversation starter right this is going to be that thing to actually really make people start thinking about wait what's going on in my career mm-hmm. all right wait I, I'm a wanderer so what does that mean okay so that means that yeah it's like you know I, I don't really know what I want but yeah I'm doing all these different things taking all these different actions applying for this job applying for that one whatever and taking all these jobs thinking that like you know if I keep trying if I keep doing all this stuff I'll finally find my fulfillment right Right. And so again, so, 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 so in having that, right. So if I actually get on that call with somebody and talk to them, that in itself gives me a lot of information mm-hmm. in terms of where that person is starting. Sure. And so again, we can start to have deeper, richer conversations from there. So basically the, 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 the quiz, if you will, gives you a little bit of clarity about where you fit in these four quadrants mm-hmm. with a bit of a synapse synopsis. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you might be feeling and what might be stopping you from mm-hmm. moving on to the next one or to another yes. one. Yes. And then from there, you work with your clients to help them move up that. They get an understanding of where they are and then you help them move through it yeah. to become that pioneer, I believe is the top category, yeah. right? Yeah. Become that yeah. pioneer. Yeah. And, and, okay. and, and in order to, to think about where you are, depending on, the, on that quadrant, right, there might be different needs. But at the end of the day, the solution all boils back to those initial questions that, that, that you asked me in terms of really that what I call illumination, right? Getting that clarity in terms of who you are, what it is that you really want. Right. And working with that client to better understand mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and trying to understand their why, the motivation mm-hmm. behind that. And then also getting them to explore, test, to experiment, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are hesitant to do that. So just getting them to understand that just a little bit of action, right? Sure. So sometimes just enough to get things going. And so, and so again, when I think about the solution, it, it, again, it's not as, I don't want to say that, that is not as simple as just saying, okay, like, you know, answer these questions. Yeah. Find my motivation, whatever act, because there there's deeper stuff that, that, that goes in there, especially like mm-hmm. when you're working with clients one-on-one in terms of really helping them to get through a lot mm-hmm. of those barriers. But yeah. So Dee, let me ask you, why is it important mm-hmm. for people to understand where they currently are? Why is that important? I think it's important for you to understand where you are because then you have to, because if you have a, a vision or a dream of where you want to go, you need to understand what that gap is, right? And so that's gonna be the thing to help you try to figure out what is the bridge now that I need to create in order for me, for me to get from A to B. Sure, so I'll, I'll put it in simpler terms. If that you don't simple. know, <laughs> sorry, I'll put it in Sid's terms, let me phrase it that way. If you don't know where you are, 
then how do you know how, what you need to do to get to where you want to go? Mm-hmm. It all starts understanding where your feet are planted right this very minute and yeah. understanding the situation that you're in and what it means. Because if you've got that vision and you've got that dream of doing this or doing that, you can't get there until you fully understand where you are because where you are gives you the plan, if you will, of how you move forward. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. I like yeah. that. Okay. So D, what would you say to people that don't really know where they want to go and about how do they come up with a vision for their career, if you will, if they're stuck in there, as you said, they're mid career, they're stuck, they're mm-hmm. not soaring. What would you say to them that there's things that they could be doing to understand what their vision is? So I, I say this with all sincerity. I, I think everybody knows. Ooh. I think at, at, at our deepest level, I think we all know what mm-hmm. it is that we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are things that are maybe stopping us from perhaps voicing what sure. it is that we want mm-hmm. or even allowing yourself to even dream or think about what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but to answer you, your, your question in terms of those people that may actually have some of these blocks and maybe just aren't very clear in terms of what that answer looks like for them, it really is about working with them to try to understand what are some of the narratives, what are the, some of the stories that you've been telling yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also, again, I'm a firm believer in this idea of sort of like, you know, test and experiment. Sure. Because it, so, so when you start thinking about, okay, I don't know exactly what the end goal is, but maybe you do have an idea for right now and you're able to say, well, I like this and I like this. I was like, okay, well, let's expand about that, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just say like, you know, future. Is this something that maybe you can make a career out of? Is this something that basically like, you know, whatever the case may be, but getting them to actually get out of this, oh, I don't know, and just getting them to start thinking about, okay, well, maybe it's this and let me just try this out and play with it and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't feel good, okay, then let's go to the next thing. That's okay mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But that's how you're going to start really getting that confidence and getting that muscle built to really like, you know, get that clarity that, that you need to okay. figure out who am I and what is it that I want? Yeah. So the encouragement that you gave there was take some action. Oh yeah. Test some things out. Experiment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So what about those people that are, um, have this fear of failure? I don't like to use the term failure. I call these learning opportunities. And so I think it is about helping people to understand that there are no failures in life. It's nothing more than information and data. It is a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. And And so so you just take that. Yes. So literally what you just said was, it's a learning opportunity. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a hot minute, you know that I am a huge believer in what Dee just said, which is, there's no such thing as failure. It's all learning. But what you just described was even in our personal and professional experiences, and we try to do something, we try to move forward, we try and experiment, as you described it, there's data that comes out of it mm-hmm. that we could look at and analyze to determine what went right, what went wrong, what are we going to do differently, and how do we move forward? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So, Dee. We've been together now like 45 minutes or so. So I want to wrap up with you. Um, But 
in your, let's go back to just a second and stuck to soaring. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if people are interested in that assessment, mm-hmm. where can they go to, or that quiz, where can they go to discover that quiz um, and to connect with you to learn about more about where they currently are and some steps that they might be t- willing to take or should take? They can quickly and easily just go to my website, dfhservices.net. And okay. on the website, the quiz is going to be embedded in there and they can just take the quiz. And within my, my, my website as well, there is a way for you to contact me. Okay, that's excellent. So guys, mm-hmm. it's dhdfhservices.net. Mm-hmm. And I'll drop mm-hmm. a link down in the show notes for you as well. And um, <clears throat> so that you can see the quiz, you can learn more about Dr. D and how amazing she is. If you haven't picked up already, how amazing she is and learn more about her there. And Dr. D, are you in LinkedIn? Yes, I am. And so you just find my name, Demetria Henderson, and I should be fairly easy to follow. Okay, that's great. And you guys can connect with or Dr. Connect. D. Don't just follow me. Connect with me, please. Absolutely. Connect with Dr. D. And you know the rules. If you connect with Dr. D, you got to shoot her a note and tell her how that you're connecting with her, that you heard her on the podcast, and that you're excited to connect with her. So, so be sure to send her a note. So D, any parting thoughts today about any of the things we talked about um, before we wrap up? I think for me, I I just want want to leave people with the thoughts of, and this is where I think I come from in my coaching as well, right? This idea of we are not defined by our circumstances, by our situation. I want everybody to understand that with everything that we do, that there is choice. And so I want people to really get that sense of empowerment and understanding that with wherever they find themselves in their lives, that there is choice, choices available to you to regain your power and you choose the life that you want. So that was said so eloquently, I got nothing. (laughs) I got nothing. That was awesome, Dr. D. You know, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate being in a group with you, uh, other like-minded individuals. I appreciate being your friend. And uh, it was my honor to have you on today. It was my honor. Thank you. Thank you, truly. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today inside the Trend Report Podcast. I hope that you got some amazing value out of today's conversation and some tips and tricks that you can implement in your life and your career. And hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to drop a comment down below and let me know what you think. And if you've got some ideas of topics that we should talk about or guests that we should interview, please feel free to shoot me an email at info at embark-cct.com. And for more information about me and what we do as an organization, the products and services that we provide, please feel free to visit our website at sidmeadows.com. Take care and we'll see you soon.